0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is episode number 159 of Search News You Can Use being recorded Wednesday, November 18th of 2020. I feel like 2020 is, at the same time, the longest year of my life and also moving so fast. I can't believe it's the end of November. We're coming up to holiday season, for those of you who celebrate Christmas. Um, And it doesn't feel like it. It just feels like the world is just completely messed up. But in the midst of it, business goes on. And so my goal today is to share with you the latest uh, news in regards to Google and SEO, things that will help you to improve your website, improve your client's website, uh, and hopefully I'll be able to share some helpful tips with you today. In this episode, I'm going to talk about some potential updates. There's been some turbulence, but that's the norm now. Uh, I don't really feel like there's been a significant update, and we'll talk about that, whether Google is about to release a core update, uh, whether an update actually released today as I'm uh, recording this. Um, and a few other things. We've got some sponsored content that we're going to try really hard to make not sound sponsored. Our goal when we take on sponsors is to make it so that um, I can provide you with really helpful information uh, at, and at the same time, talk about some really awesome tools that are available in the SEO industry. Um, and we've got lots of other things. I want to share with you right now what the Q&A is going to be at the end of this episode so you can start thinking about how you would answer this these questions. Uh, One of the questions is about somebody who has three different websites all uh, surrounding a similar business and they want to consolidate these into one site and they want to know whether that's a good idea. So start thinking about that and I'm going to give you my thoughts by the end of this episode. And the other question that we have in the Q&A section at the end of this episode is about cross-domain canonicalization. That's a mouthful (laughs) to say, cross-domain canonicalization and whether... The use of that could be seen as spammy by Google. I have some interesting thoughts on this. You know, when I read the question, it's going to sound like the answer is intuitive uh, to most people. But I actually think there's an area here that is overlooked by Google. So uh, stay tuned for this, and I, I think you'll find that part really, really interesting. Um, Let's start off. uh, Well, first of all, you've probably noticed that uh, if you listened to last week's episode, that the sound quality is a lot better this week. Um, Last week, I was working from home. I had some kind of a bug. I hesitate to call it a flu bug. It was really strange. And I was really concerned that I had COVID. I think most of us, as soon as you get like, a sore throat, a headache, uh, something, we start worrying about, oh, do I have the virus? Uh, I I was tested for it, and the test was negative, so I didn't have it, but whatever it was, it was really bad. I didn't realize how bad it was until I started to feel better and realized how much I could accomplish. I still worked through the whole thing, and like I said, I recorded last week's episode, which was one of my favorite episodes, Uh, and we did have people write in to complain about the sound quality. I'm very sorry, Uh, you know, we did the best we could, Uh, but now we're back at it and I'm healthy and I'm back in the office and so uh, let's get right into it here. Let's talk about some of the turbulence that we've been seeing in the search results. Now when we record on when we report on uh, Google algorithm updates you know our goal is to point out the main updates and for quite a while Google didn't even tell us when they released a major update whether it was a panda update or uh, then they started announcing them as core quality updates. They didn't tell us we would just see this big change uh, in a bunch of websites and all sorts of people would be reaching out via email and the SEO forums were lighting up with people saying, hey, Google changed something. Um, And then recently, like in the last couple of years, Google has started to actually tell us when they're releasing a significant update. So for this year, we had the January core update. We had a core update in May as well. And with both of those, Google told us beforehand, hey, we're about to release an update. Stay tuned. And that was really, really good. Um, And what we did years ago, I started sort of reporting on the little blips, the um, unannounced uh, updates. And I think that that sort of became, uh, um, uh, it it just became too, too challenging because this is happening all the time now that, and whether it's due to Google making changes in the algorithm, or I think a lot of the changes that we're seeing are related to just what's going on in the world right now. So for example, November 8th of 2020, uh, so just a a week, probably 10 days before I'm recording this podcast ago, um, there was some type of an update where when we look through the hundreds of sites that we have Google Analytics access to, we can see that there's a sudden jump up in traffic for a large percentage of these sites that we analyze. Um, And the weird thing was that uh, usually when we see a jump up, we'll also see a number of sites with decreases. Um, And we report on that. You know, it's not like it's um, a negative on our business to say, well, yeah, some of our clients didn't do so well with a particular update, uh, because there's some things that... That good SEO can't change. You know, if Google decides like they did last year, if they decide that uh, they want to be much more strict with what alternative medicine content they're going to rank, uh, then, you know, sites that exist solely to talk about alternative medicine are going to see some losses. With this. Now, with what happened on November 8th of 2020, we really didn't see that many sites seeing losses, but we had a whole bunch of sites in our profile that see improvements. Now, I could sit here and say that's just because MHC is awesome and all of our clients see improvements, but I think most of you would see through that. Um, I think there's something else going on. I think that um, what we're seeing is actually connected to world events. So last week I talked about the fact that if you saw changes on November 3rd of 2020, it was probably due to the fact that November 3rd was the date of the United States election. And we know that that election has been controversial. It's been tumultuous. It's been uh, a number of things that have been very, very interesting to watch and make me glad that I'm not an American citizen right now because there's a lot of things going on uh, with the United States. United States election. Now, that was November 3rd. And what is interesting to see is that a good number of the sites in our profile that saw increases on November 8th also saw decreases on November 3rd. And what we think is that most of the changes that we're seeing are just related to people changing their search habits. Um, with that said, you know, we may come back and look at this. We, what we tend to do now is uh, if a certain date really stands out as a date in which websites saw a lasting change to the, the, the pattern of organic traffic that they get, then that's what we're going to analyze. Um, so we haven't put a lot of uh, effort into looking at November 8th of this year. Although it's really interesting, I cannot believe it's been an entire year since November eighth of last year. I know that seems like a dumb thing to say, like yes, it's been a year since the same date last year. That made no sense. But I you know, you know what I'm saying. November eighth last year was one of these dates in which Google did not announce a core update. They didn't announce any significant update, but something major happened at that time. And we're still analyzing websites that started seeing declines on November 8th of 2019. And this is going to get a bit confusing because something happened November 8th of 2020. Uh, But if your website was affected on November 8th of 2019, I'm starting to think more and more that this was more a significant date than we actually knew at the time. We wrote a blog post on it. I'm pretty sure it still ranks number one if you search for November 8th, 2019 Google update or something like that. Um, And when it initially came out, we thought that it was mostly about link quality because most of the sites that saw declines at this time had links that we wouldn't call overtly black hat, but they were kind of gray in nature in the sense that they were links that, you know, they're not bad but they weren't truly recommendations and links from things like roundup posts, where let's say I wrote some article on an SEO topic and I reached out to, you know, five of my favorite SEO bloggers and said, hey, do you want to be included in this post? And then I include a link saying, here's five other uh, great uh, articles on this topic. Um, That type of link seems to have been devalued in some way by Google. And not specifically that, like not just that type of link, but links that um, are there for SEO reasons, as opposed to me truly wanting to recommend companies, seemed to be uh, ignored in November of 2019. And my theory, now that we've had all of this information from Google, I've been speaking the last couple of weeks about uh, this web, this video that Google put out about trillions of searches and uh, how Google is, um, you know, changing their technologies to be able to do a better job at serving people the right answers or relevant answers when they do search. And one of the interesting things that came out of that video was that, um, you know, BERT, so natural language processing, really became into, integrated into Google's algorithms sometime late October of last year. Now, given that we saw this update in November on November 8th last year, I really think this is connected to BERT. And I think that a lot of these websites that saw drops, even though we connected it to links, it's not that Google said, ah, you have unnatural links and we're going to demote you for that. But rather, I feel like Google got better at determining which links they should truly count to boost rankings. So I know I went on a bit of a tangent there because we're not talking about November 8th last year, but we're still getting people emailing us uh, via our help forms, or not help forms, our email, uh, our help email. Um, saying, look, my losses started November 8th. It's really common to see a site that started to see losses November 8th of last year and then saw further losses with the May 4th update of this year. And I actually think that May 4th um, represented Google taking that a step further and being even better at recognizing the content itself, not just the links, but whether the content itself was more relevant to the searcher's query. So, uh, you know, at this point, uh, I'm not calling November 8th of 2020, a big update. Um, as I started to record this, I heard some rumblings that maybe there's a big update happening right now. Uh, November, uh, Bear Schwartz has an article on Search Engine Roundtable, um, and he's saying that there's a lot of chatter in the SEO forums about an update November 17th and 18th. Uh, again, as we've been saying all along, like this could be related to current events in the world. It's possible that something has changed on Google's side. My guess is that this is not a core update, given that Google's been very, very transparent with telling us when they're rolling out core updates. Uh, So we'll be analyzing that, and uh, I'll let you know if it seems like anything more significant that's worthwhile paying attention to. Speaking of core updates, John Mueller uh, said in a recent Help Hangout that there's really no timeline for when the next core update happens. So again, this year, we've only had two. We had January core update, and then we had the May core update. We had some kind of update in June that we called the government update, where it seemed that Google boosted um, uh, authoritative websites, and that is probably in response to coronavirus. Uh, Google's guide to how they fight disinformation says that they can change their algorithms to greatly prefer authority over relevancy in times of crisis, and the world certainly is in time of, of uh, a time of crisis right now. Um, so, you know, somebody asked John Miller, well, are, is Google going to release another core update? Because it's been so long since we had one. And here's what he said, quote, I don't know what the specific plans are there. So it's not the case like we stopped making core updates. I just don't know what the specific launch plans are there. Now, uh, there was an article in Search Engine Roundtable that took that quote and essentially said, look, so we're not going to have Any more core updates for 2020? Um, And some people are happy about that. And other people who are waiting to recover from a core update were not happy because Google has said, and this is our experience as well, if you've been slammed by a Google core update, recovery is possible. Like you can see improvements even before another core update happens, but they tend to be marginal. Um, The sites where we see uh, things that we would call a recovery from a core update, those tend to be, uh, they all happen on the date of another core update. Uh, So if you've been hit, if you were hit by the May 4th update and you've been working on improving your content, then you're probably eagerly awaiting the next core update because that's where you'll see if the changes that you made are actually going to be helpful to your site. So some interpreted John's results to say, yeah, Google's not going to release a core update before the end of the year. Every year we have this discussion, you know, Google says, well, we don't want to release things in the last quarter of the year because it disrupts holiday uh, traffic and, you know, people who are doing SEO for Christmas related things. It makes things really challenging. But we've seen for many years that Google releases significant updates in November. I, i feel like they've done some in December, although I don't know that we've had a core update in December as well. But here's the thing. So when people tweeted about uh, the fact that Google's no longer going to be releasing any core update in the next few months, John's response to several people was, this sounds way too optimistic. It's really not a made decision. It sounds to me like Google will release a core update when they're ready to release a core update, uh, and that could still be soon. And it's possible that what we saw, uh, you know, all the chatter with people talking about November seventeenth and eighteenth—that that's the startings of a core update. But again, I don't think it is because I feel like Google would have pre-announced it. So I feel like I just talked for you know the last ten minutes to say nothing. Um, the point being here is that there's been some turbulence in the algorithms. If you're seeing your search traffic uh, is affected in weird ways, if you're seeing losses, the first thing I'd look at is whether it could be related to what's going on in your part of the world. You know, if your city has just gone into lockdown then and you run a local business that uh, requires people to walk into your store, you're probably going to be seeing less website traffic, uh, most likely. Um, so it makes things really, really challenging to, uh, to analyze. Um, but still we'll be keeping an eye on things. And, uh, if it does look like any of these dates in November seem to be a significant update, then my team and I will be on it trying to figure out what it is that Google changed in their algorithms, uh, and how we can take advantage of that to make better websites that Google likes. Um, let's talk about our hrefs tip of the week. So hrefs is one of our new sponsors. We talked about this last week and I uh, went into great detail about hrefs Webmaster Tools. Uh, if you're not using it, you really should. And as we mentioned last week, it's completely free for anybody to use. And you can very quickly do uh, a crawl of your website and get a list of technical errors, a list of things to fix uh, completely for free. So I would recommend that you do that if you if you're not already using um, a, uh, a major, um, uh, one of the main uh, tools. Um, so hrefs. this week what I wanted to talk about is how we use hrefs to look at link anchors. Now link anchors, I, I think most of you know what a link anchor is. If, if I link to a website saying, uh, for more information, you can click here. And if click here is underlined, then that's the part of the link that's considered the anchor. The words, click here. And there's been all this controversy uh, over several years over whether we should be using keywords as anchors or uh, you know whether that's going to signal something to Google um, as a, a sign that maybe you've been manipulating your link building. Um, and, and people, you know, we've actually had some good discussion this week about that in regards to internal links. And there is no evidence that um, using keyword anchors internally can be a negative for your site. You should be linking descriptively to your, uh, your pages internally. But what I'm talking about using Ahrefs for here is for looking at external links. And one of the things that we'll do, now if we're gonna do a link audit, if we're gonna do an exhaustive link audit, then what we're gonna do is we're gonna gather links from several different sources. And so we use Google Search Console because those are the links that Google has provided us, so they're probably worth looking at. But Google Search Console doesn't tell us whether links are nofollowed. Uh, it also doesn't tell us um, a number of other things, like you have to actually click on the link and go to the page To see the context that the link was uh, that that it was linked in. Um, When you look at Ahrefs, you can very easily click on individual links and see the text that's before and after the link. It's very easy to make decisions on um, you know whether a site's been involved in unnatural linking by just looking at the anchors section in Ahrefs. I've put a screenshot in newsletter, which uh, you know is going to be kind of hard to describe in um, a vocal podcast. Uh, But this is looking at at the anchor text section of hrefs for a site that I worked on many, many years ago. And you can see, uh, this was a site that had a manual action. You can see that the vast majority of the anchors in the links that point to this site contain keywords. And that's often a sign that something unusual is going on here. Now, if you look at sites that have not been involved in building unnatural links, we tend to see that the most common anchors are, uh, the URL of the site itself, or maybe their brand name as well. Um, and so, uh, when we see a lot of keyword anchors, this is often a sign that the site's been involved in unnatural link building. Now, Google's algorithms are way more complex than this. And one of the things that we struggle with sometimes uh, is when, and this is going to venture a little bit from the uh, HREF sponsored content, just to give you a little bit of insight into how we treat keyword anchors. We had a case several years ago of a site that had a manual action and the site's brand name uh was also a keyword so i don't want to give away what the site is it's a it's a major site that most of you would recognize um but imagine that the keyword was green widgets this was a site that sold green widgets and um a lot of their links were anchored with green widgets because their site was greenwidgets.com essentially Does that make those links unnatural? Well, this site got a manual action, and they had indeed been buying links. They'd been doing all sorts of things that were against Google's guidelines. But here's the tricky part. Many of these links that were anchored with keywords, which was also their brand name, were truly natural links. And Google was giving us these as examples Of unnatural links uh, for this manual action. And so what we did at the time was we reached out to several of the sites that Google gave us as examples. And we said, hey, I see that you're linking to greenwidgets.com and uh, Google actually has concerns that this could be a paid link. Can you tell us why you linked to them? And many of the site owners did not respond to us, but a couple of them did saying, I truly love this brand. And I wrote about them because I love them. Like there was no, they weren't paid for it. It was legitimately a good link, but it had a keyword anchor. So what would you do? If you, ha- if you were doing SEO for this site, if you were working on removing a manual action and you have links that Google pointed out as unnatural and they have keyword anchors, And you reach out to the site owner and they say, well, yet nobody paid me for this. This site did not ask me to put this up. I just truly wrote this blog post because I think this company is amazing. Um, Would you remove those links? Would you disavow them? It's tough, right? So this was a a bit of transparency. This was back like 2013 or so that this particular case happened. And at the same time, I had another site with a very similar situation. Uh, They had used a lot of... um, they had built a lot of paid links and many of their links uh they didn't necessarily use keyword anchors but they were links that uh looked unnatural to google but when we reached out to the site owner they actually truly liked this company and wanted to link to them now that case so let's call that case number two that case i i gave uh this client several options i said look we can write back to google and we can say in our reconsideration request, look, we've removed this subset of links that we've identified as unnatural, but some of the examples that you gave us truly are good mentions. We did not pay for these. We did not manipulate these in any way. We do not think we should remove these. And that's what that site did. They, they sent a reconsideration request saying, look, we see these are they are marked as unnatural links. But uh, but we're not removing them, because I think you made a mistake here. Now, in that case, the manual action got removed, and that site never recovered. To this day, they still seem to me to be suppressed under some type of uh, Google suppression. Um, they're not able to rank for most of their main terms. Now, you know, we, we no longer, they're not our clients anymore. This was many, many years ago, and, and I can't make solid conclusions based on this one case. But let's go back to that first client that I talked about that also, they had keyword anchored links that looked like unnatural links. But when we reached out, they were, there were good ones. This site said, no, if Google thinks that they're even remotely unnatural, We want to deal with them, even if they were good links. And that's painful, right? For any of you who do link building, imagine you managed to actually truly get people, write a blog post to say how much they love your client's company. And then imagine you had to disavow those links. So we, you know, we weighed the pros and cons, and we went with what our client said, and uh, we went and disavowed and, and removed as much as we could uh, a large, large number of links that were just kind of on the border in terms of, uh, you know, maybe Google might see them as unnatural, but truly they were natural, and we, would, we disavowed those as well. Now, I can't show you graphics over a podcast, but I want to tell you that uh, the second site that went all out in removing links that were even close to being considered unnatural saw a massive recovery. Um, they saw a recovery with a Penguin update that happened while we were awaiting the results of the uh, manual action reconsideration request. And then they saw even better improvements um, with, uh, uh, with a, um, when the manual action got removed. And to this day, this site is just skyrocketing. They're doing really well. Whereas the first site, uh, who said, no, no, we're going to keep this because it's natural, um, is still struggling. Now, those are two cases. We can't write, you know, a whole thesis on these two cases. But I just want to tell you that you you need to pay attention um, to patterns. And this is going back to hrefs. This is where we really like looking at the anchors in hrefs. I've written a little bit more um, in newsletter on how exactly we use this type of information. We would never disavow links based on just the fact that it's a keyword anchor. We're still um, looking at many other factors. Uh, But you can really, I like the interface with hrefs. I use all of the other tools. uh, But if I had to choose just one tool to look at uh, for links, I would choose hrefs. Um, speaking of links, Google has announced changes to the disavow tool. The disavow tool, uh, you know, it's been around for quite a while now, and uh, people always struggle to find it. If you go into Search Console, you won't be able to find the disavow tool. You have to actually Google it, um, and there's, that's by design. Uh, I remember John Mueller saying a while back that they purposely did not put the disavow tool right in the main Google Search Console, console interface because they didn't want webmasters to use it. It unless they truly knew what they were doing with it because you can do harm to your site if you're not sure what you're doing with the disavow tool so when Google announced uh, the new disavow tool and they said, today we're completing the migration of the disavow links tool to the new Search Console interface, I thought for sure we would find it in Search Console, but we it's still not there. You still have to search for it, as far as I can see, unless I'm blind, I'm not seeing it. Um, but you still have to search for it and know what you're doing in order to use it. But the interface is different, and the interface itself looks more like the new Search Console than uh, the, the previous one. One. Um, a few things that have changed with the tool, and maybe not changed, Google just made more clarification. Um, the maximum length of a URL that you can put into the tool is 2,048 characters. Uh, The maximum file size is 100,000 lines, including blank lines and comment lines. And we knew this already, that the maximum file size was two megabytes. Um, I've only had a couple of clients that have legitimately gone over that two megabyte limit uh, and usually that's a case where sites are disavowing too many links on the URL level. We almost always recommend disavowing on the domain level. I've gone into great detail about that before. Um, but, but yeah, so if you're, if your file size is bigger than two megabytes, you're either, you know, you got a lot of unnatural links or you're doing something wrong, um, in just disavowing everything based on some random metrics. Um, A few things clarified uh, that maybe weren't clear before, you need to be a verified owner in Search Console in order to modify the disavow. That's nothing new, that was uh, the case before, but I think it wasn't clear about that. The one thing that's a bit confusing is errors it used to be that before the moment you tried to upload a disavow uh, that contained some errors maybe some syntax errors uh, it would give you a message saying uh, we found errors on line 3 200 and 487 on this uh you know on this file um and now you don't see those errors until you've actually uploaded the file so it might be a little bit more challenging to, to find those, but uh, I'm encouraged that um, Google is keeping the disavow tool. You know, I had some people reach out to me and say, well, this is evidence then that uh, we Google's not going to take it away. You know, I don't think they would have put all this effort into um, migrating the tool into new search console if their plan was to completely take it away. So I think we'll still have the option to disavow for quite some time. I still think that most sites do not need to disavow. Uh, I should mention that just a few weeks ago, we published our second edition of our manual actions textbook. And if you're trying to figure out what to disavow or how to do it, I would encourage you to, to, uh, to buy that, um, that book about removing manual actions. Um, Google also announced changes to the Remove Outdate Con- Outdated Content tool. And this actually kind of confused me a little bit because there's two ways that you can ask Google to remove outdated content. Um, you know, One is via your own search console. And then this new tool is uh, basically an old tool that they've... Uh, given us back again, uh, that you can actually request removal for URLs that you don't own. Now that sounds like it's opening up all sorts of opportunity, uh, for spammers. You know, you can't just go to your competitor's website and ask Google to remove it from the search results. Uh, there's a form you need to fill out and, uh, you really need to show that like, oh, this page has my personal information on it, or there's a valid reason for Google to remove it from search. Um, if you want to remove your own content from search the best way still is to no index the content uh to maybe you could hide it by robux robots, but you still need to have a no-index tag on it. Otherwise, uh, the URL can still exist in Search Console. Um, so There's a little bit of confusion around uh, this tool. There's also, I saw Michael Vandemar um, who's excellent at malware removal. If you have any issues with malware, uh, reach out to Michael. He's uh, really, really good. He worked with me a few years ago for uh, one of my own sites that had a horrendous hack. Um, and He said, uh, there's still no way to bulk remove in Individual pages from Google after a hack so often if your site gets hacked uh, the hack will produce hundreds sometimes thousands of new pages uh, that you would want to get removed very quickly um, and you would think you could just no-index these pages or 404 them and then ask Google to crawl them again. But the thing is, because they're lower quality, they get rarely crawled by Google. Uh, and so the old URL removal tool used to be good for uh, telling Google, look, we have all these URLs that are there as a result of a hack, and we want you to get rid of them now. Um, so there's still it's not perfect. And if you've been trying to use this, you've probably been struggling uh, a little bit. We saw this week that Google is experimenting with product-related subcategories in search. Um, again, a hard thing to talk about in a vocal podcast as opposed to, you can see a newsletter, some screenshots for um, uh, what this looks like. By the way, mariehaines.com slash newsletter, and this is episode number 159. Um, one of the things that we saw was that there were little subtitles. This It seemed like a test that somebody saw, and Google's always running new tests. We don't know if this test is going to make it to be part of the mainstream SERPs or not. Um, But the tests showed that when they did a search, uh, Google gave them tabs that they could look at to say, are you looking for an overview for products, for stores, for shopping, for videos? for reviews. Um, And so Google had, uh, you could click on each of these and instead of seeing the overall search results for this query, you would see just the product results or just the video results, that type of thing. Um, That might not seem like anything exciting, but to me, I think this is one step uh, closer to, to learning more about how Google understands intent so um, you know we talked internally about uh, how does google do this do they look at the schema on the page um, you know are they looking for calls to action are they looking for symptoms the uh, signals that show that the page is transactional uh, and we don't know exactly how they're doing it but we know and they've told us that bert is extremely good at understanding the intent behind a query and so Google's goal is to be uh, Um, helping to match those intents, helping, you know, somebody who does a search for a keyword uh, and is looking to buy that product is quite different. They're going to want to see different results than somebody who is still looking for information. On that product uh, and is not ready to buy that particular one itself so um, we really think i think this is the the key to seo probably 2021 and, and on is getting better at writing content that understands what your searcher's intent is uh, let's talk a little bit about another tool that we love to use uh, and this tool is site bulb so Ironically, uh, just a couple of days ago, I was tweeting about some things I like about Sitebulb. I didn't know at the same time, like almost exactly at the same time, in the background, uh, Sitebulb was talking to my team about becoming a sponsor. Uh, and I tweeted that uh, there's three things, three major things that I love about Sitebulb. Number one is crawl maps. They're really, really nice. I've got some pictures in uh, this episode of newsletter of a site where uh, they came to us and we did a site quality review. And one of the things we noted was that their content was just kind of all over the place. And when we did a site bulb bulb crawl of uh, the site, we could see that the crawl map, um, so the crawl map kind of shows you like uh, these big dots as main pieces of content. And then there's links or lines that show how they connect to other pages um and and there's different ways that you can get these diagrams to uh to display. Well, when we did the first crawl for this website, it was just kind of like links everywhere. And one of the recommendations that we made was to um uh to do a hub and spoke um uh, organization. Uh and what that means basically is that you have content hubs. So for example, uh you know, you could have one main topic that you've written a very very good post on. And then you have smaller posts that are the spokes around that hub wheel that all link back to the main hub and all use anchors on your key, on your uh, internal links uh, that give Google clues as to what that hub is about. Um, and so when we when the client uh, restructured their content and made it a hub and spoke um, uh, structure, the site bulb crawl was beautiful. We could see these little clusters of content hubs. Uh, and so a newsletter I've showed you, and this site saw uh, probably close to 100% increase after doing this in in traffic. I mean, it's uh, they did extremely, extremely well. So there's a lot of great things you can use site bulb for. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a crawler um, that uh, you can use on just your site or on your client's site sites as well. And one of the things I think we'll probably get into in future episodes is some of the hints that the tool gives. So if you're looking to repair your technical SEO, uh, what I found is SiteBulb gives very intuitive hints. Uh, They tell you, all right, we've recognized this problem. Here's why it could be an issue. And here's how you fix it. Uh, And I found that it gave us very, very actionable things to work on. So I really would encourage you to uh, to check out SiteBulb. I believe we have a link in the um, uh, online version of our newsletter, episode number 159, uh, for where you can get a copy of Sightbulb. I, I I hope you try it out and enjoy it because it's it's truly a very good tool. Um, let's see local SEO. We had thought maybe there was a local update on uh, November 17th. There was some type of fluctuation that the bright local rank flex tool picked up, uh, but it was very minor. And so there's, we haven't looked into that just yet. Uh, but there may have been some fluctuations in local search rankings as well this week. Um, interesting news. Google launched a new program that they call the small business advisors program. And this is, I don't know a whole lot of details about this. I feel like I need to to read more about it because it sounds like for, you know, uh, just a phone call, you can basically get SEO advice from Google. Um, and I haven't talked to anybody who's actually used the service, so I don't know how good it is. Uh, but let's see here. Barry Schwartz has a good article talking about it. Um, and you can apparently schedule a one on one call. It's a 50 minute, five zero minute video call with a specially trained Google advisor who can provide you guidance on things like uh, Google My Business, your ads, your analytics, uh, even YouTube as well and more. Now, I don't know what level of detail this will go into and honestly, in a 50-minute call, uh, you're not going to be able to solve all of your site's SEO problems. Um, This is completely free apparently, but normally I guess in the past, it used to cost $40 uh, US. So if any of you have used this service, I'd love to hear what kind of advice you got. Um, I'm almost wondering if this is going to be similar to AdWords advice where uh, I don't want to put down AdWords advice or Google ads advice. I, I don't do uh, PPC for clients um, but I have sites where, you know, we get contacted by Google employees with advice and, uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's the advice that we get is not advice that I would follow. Um, so I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what where this goes, but I thought that was very interesting. I don't think this is going to be an assault on those of us who do local SEO. Uh, I think there will always be need for, um, uh, people who specialize and understand how Google works. Uh, so if you read this and went, oh my goodness, Mike career is over uh, it's probably not provided you do good work Um, let's see what else there was also, we've been talking the last couple weeks about some reviews, Google, my business reviews. Uh, some of them are not getting published. And according to Joy Hawkins from Sterling Sky, this uh, is apparently fixed. So she tweeted on November 12th that, uh, Google reviews should show up within the next 24 hours. So if you had missing reviews, then check it out. And I think, uh, you'll find that they have returned. All right, let's get into Q&A section here. You know, we've been doing these little mini site reviews and those are fun, uh, but this week we have two questions that are not site reviews. I'm not actually gonna share what the sites are. I don't think it really benefits the, uh, the question to, to share that, um, but I, I think discussing these questions would be really, really good. Um, so the first question uh, comes from somebody who has, they're doing SEO for a number of websites in the Pacific Northwest uh, that are all very, very similar businesses but in different cities. And different business names. And this uh, business or this, you know, group of businesses essentially wants to um, uh, take all of their websites and put them into one main website. And the question is, is that a good idea or not? So I'm going to give my usual disclaimer. Uh, This is the type of decision that really needs extensive investigation in order to answer properly. So I would say, you know, whatever I say here, you can use that as fodder to sort of generate some, some discussion, but I wouldn't make any final decisions based on what I say here because I haven't analyzed these sites so in general well, first of all why would people have three different websites um, and most of that is usually for SEO reasons uh, and I believe that really it's kind of the SEO the type of SEO that we used to do in the past is uh, the type of SEO that um, uh, the, the types of reasons why people would create multiple websites like this? So, for example, you know, th- this is a very um, simplistic example, but imagine you have one website that sells red products and one that sells blue products and one that sells green products. Um, you know, you would rank better perhaps if your website is called redproducts.com for red products. Uh, but Google, I feel, has moved past that. And if you're trying to rank based on exact match domains, they can still have some power. But I think that you would probably find that there's more power in, um, uh, in, in consolidating all of these sites to one. Um, so, uh, you know, basically, I think what you need to think about here is EAT. Um, if these are three businesses that each have a very separate entity uh, knowledge graph, basically, Uh, so if they're very clearly distinguishable uh, and each have their own entity information available across the web, maybe they should remain as three separate sites. But my guess is, from what you've said, that these probably should be consolidated into one, and it's much easier to build EAT for one website than uh, for several smaller websites. So if you want to get your expert mentioned in authoritative places well that's going to help all three of those websites that are now consolidated into one um as opposed to trying to have separate experts for each of your websites um The other thing, you know, and and I won't go into great detail about this, but you can certainly have location pages that are specific to each area, so it's not like you're going to be trying to rank the homepage for each individual location, Uh, so that's totally okay to do that as well. And I would say when you make the switch, or if you make the switch, be sure to do as much as you can to immediately update any external references. If these companies are big enough to have Wikipedia mentions, then it needs to be clear in Wikipedia uh, what the new company is and what their entity information is. Um, And you make really good use of schema as well so that you can help Google to connect all these dots. I feel like I I talk about this one particular case study a lot, so I'm not going to go into it in a lot of detail. But we did have a site uh, a couple of years ago that did something very similar. They rebranded and rankings plummeted. And it wasn't until we did uh, all sorts of things, we updated the about page um, to put verbiage to say, hey, we used to be this site. Now we're this site. Um, We updated all citation information and we recommended a lot of changes across the web to send the signal to say, "Yes, this website you used to know as this. Well, now it's this. And uh, with uh, you know within a couple of weeks of doing that, their traffic was even better than it was before. So I don't know if that specifically answered your question, but I feel like that could help some people um, in talking about whether to 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 have multiple websites or just one. This last question for Q&A is an interesting one. And we're going to talk about um, cross-domain canonical tags. That's a mouthful. Just in case anybody's not familiar with what that is. A canonical tag, let's say I have two articles that are exactly the same on my website. I don't know why. Why would I want two articles exactly the same? But if, if I did have two articles that were exactly the same, I can put a canonical tag tag on one to say, look, this other one over here, that's the main version. And that'll be the one that we're telling Google, look, you should index that version, this current version, don't pay any attention to it. If anybody links to it, count those signals towards this other version. Um, You can do that cross domain as well. So let's say, uh, you know, I wanted to republish an article I saw on Moz, but uh, I I don't know, I, I mean, I could publish it Uh, on my website and I could put a canonical tag that points back to the Moz article and that sends an article that sends a message to Google to say all right we don't if we see this we're not trying to rank mariehaines.com for this article she's told us that this is the same article that already ranks on Moz and so you're basically sending a signal to Google to tell them who the originator of the content was now let's talk about this situation that um, this person wrote in to tell us about Uh, in this situation they Uh, write content for a particular website but they also syndicate that content to larger websites across the web and what they do is they've asked those larger websites to put a cross domain canonical tag pointing back to the originating site um, uh, in in this uh, who actually created this content and that's totally okay. So the question was whether that would be seen as spammy by Google. And here's why they asked that question, or at least why I believe they did. When you see this, it actually appears in their Google search console as, in, as, as links, as external links. And so if they can suddenly see that there's this massive number of um, links, but really their canonicalization, that seem to be coming from one website, it can kind of look a little bit uh, overdone in search console the thing is though i can't recall ever working on a website um, that was deemed uh or that we deemed to have unnatural links because of canonicalization um large numbers of links in search console that's normal if a website links to you from their footer and that website has a million pages that's going to be a million links pointing to your website that's not it's not like google's going to say oh somebody linked to them a million times it must be unnatural Um, rather Google has way more signals that they look at than that Um, so the question though and the reason why I I chose this to answer on podcast is that uh, this has come up in the past I've actually had a a mentor of mine talk about this where uh, he was wondering so he had a very authoritative website and he said you know if I take one of my smaller websites and if I take this authoritative website and I publish an article from my smaller website on the authoritative website, and then I put a canonical tag pointing to the smaller website, hopefully I don't lose you guys as I'm t- telling this, then when Google, if somebody links to this article on the authoritative website, which is much more likely to happen, right, because tons of people read this website, it's, it's a major authority in their topic, um, then those links start counting towards the smaller website. And you could see this being gamed. Like it, there's a strong possibility this could be gamed. I even hesitate to say this because I don't want people to go out and start doing this. I feel like if enough people do this, Google will catch on and they'll they'll start to crack down somehow. Um, but what this my mentor said to me was, could I not just, like he wasn't going to do this, but he's like, could I not just sell that service? So basically you could say, oh, I'm related to your topic. Can you publish this article on your website put a canonical tag back to my website, and then it's the smaller website that actually ranks on Google, but as people link to the source on the main website, the one that's authoritative, the one that's read via many, many sources, you know, social shares and all sorts of things, uh, that, that would help prop up the smaller website. Um, and, you know, I think that that potentially could work. Um, the thing is, though, if you were doing it on a massive scale, I think that's the type of thing that manual actions are built for. I, never, I haven't actually seen a manual action for this type of thing, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me you know, if a, if a manual review happened of your website uh, that this got flagged somehow. So, but I can't see it hurting algorithmically. And the reason for this is that there's no way that you could get rid of those links. So let's say we proved that for some reason this was a negative in Google's eyes. Then I could go to one of my competitors and I could start publishing all their content and uh, on my website with a canonical link and try to get them penalized. And there's nothing they could do because you can't disavow those links. Um, disavow essentially tells Google to not pay attention to the signals and essentially add a no-follow but it's a canonical canonicalization there's no link there to disavow I'm gonna stop uh, trying to explain this now because I might have lost a few people in uh, in saying that but um, just keep it in mind I what you're describing to me again uh, major disclaimers I haven't looked in uh, any level of detail at uh, at these sites themselves uh, but it sounds like what you're doing is probably an acceptable thing to do. Um, I'm going to end it there with podcast. I'm, uh, it feels good to do a podcast episode where I'm not feeling like absolute junk (laughs) because, uh, I've been feeling so crappy lately. Um, but today's good. So I'm going to end it early, uh, today. I'm probably going to head home and play a bit more Fortnite. There was a big update today. I came up with a whole new system for improving my Fortnite gameplay. Uh, if you're interested in that, reach out to me. I, 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 I'm going to be, I'm telling you, I'm going to be good. I'm already kind of decent, but I'm going to be good. (laughs) Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope everything is going all right for you wherever you are in the world. And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.